Hey there, it's Olivia Allen Price, host of Bay Curious, the podcast. KQED Podcasts wants to thank listeners like you whose support makes this podcast possible. If you want to help us continue to make great content, visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcasts. And thanks. From KQED. Hello, hello, Olivia here, coming to you from our six-part series on Golden Gate Park. If you're just joining us, be sure to check out the other episodes in our feed. If you've ever visited San Francisco's Ocean Beach, you may have noticed two towering windmills at the western end of Golden Gate Park. At one corner, there's the Dutch, or North Windmill, with its pretty tulip garden. And just a few blocks south, there's the larger Murphy Windmill. They caught the attention of a Bay Curious listener last year. I'm Kai Wadera. I live in Larkspur, California, and I'm 12 years old. One day, Kai was biking with his dad near Ocean Beach. It was a hot day, and we noticed the windmills. We were kind of just like wondering if they did any purpose or did anything. (laughs) And whatever can you do when you're curious about something in the Bay Area? Well, ask us, of course. And Kai did. My question is, why were the windmills in Golden Cape Park built, and were they just decoration, or did they serve any purpose? This is Bay Curious, the podcast that answers your questions about the Bay Area. Today we're answering Kai's questions about the pair of Dutch windmills that sit at the park's western edge. Turns out they were key to making the park what it is. Plus, we're going to take a tour inside. I'm Olivia Allen Price. Support for Bay Curious comes from Sierra Nevada Brewing Company. Committed to brewing things the right way since 1980, because when you're a family-run brewery, there's no other way to do it. Sierra Nevada Brewing Company. Still family-owned, operated, and argued over. And be sure to stay tuned through the end of the show so you can play our monthly trivia game for a chance to win some cool prizes. Hey, it's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment. And if you love what you're hearing, and I know you love what you're hearing, please consider becoming a KQED member. Get special access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. Plus, you'll sleep better at night knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon. It's in you. Please be in it. Visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to sign up now. That's podcast. With an S. Thanks. We sent Bay Curious producer and longtime Golden Gate Park neighbor Susie Racho to get the backstory on the windmills. To answer Kai's question, we need to go back to the late 1800s, before the windmills were built. At this point, the eastern end of the park, closest to downtown, was well developed, but the western end was desolate sand dunes. To transform the dunes into forest, they needed water to irrigate small plantings and build up topsoil. And just like it is now, water was contentious. The park had to buy it from the only water company in town, the Spring Valley Water Company. Spring Valley was known for overcharging customers for their water. This is Christopher Pollock. He's the historian in residence for the Recreation and Parks Department in San Francisco. 
And there was bad blood because there had been a deal struck in the very beginning of uh, the conception of Golden Gate Park that supposedly said that Spring Valley would provide water for free. But that deal would sour when the water company changed its mind. Spring Valley then just said, no, we're you're going to pay for it, or we're going to shut the water off. And in fact, in the 1880s, there were times when it was shut down. Neil Hemming is an engineer with the park, and he oversees the windmills. He says Spring Valley was charging the park $1,000 a month for water, an unreasonable sum at the time. Park officials needed an alternative. They realized there was giant aquifers underneath the park, located uh, in various spots throughout the park. So it was suggested that a windmill be built, like in Holland. The hope was that a windmill propelled by ocean winds would be able to pump from these aquifers and provide water to the entire park. Critics bashed the idea. But on May 23, 1902, construction began on what park officials called the Dutch windmill, modeled after those in the Netherlands. It was up and running a year later. Christopher Pollock. Well, in those days, you didn't have all sorts of things getting in the way. When somebody wanted to build something, they just went ahead and did it. So things went up very fast in the park, especially. The San Francisco Chronicle said the windmill would not only be useful, but beautiful. It would also have innovative technology for the time, like a rotating head cap. There's a fan tail. It rotates the windmill into the wind so that it's just at the right angle to catch it the breeze in the most efficient way possible. The Dutch windmill would pay for itself in just a year and a half. And according to an article in the San Francisco Call, by June 1903, the windmill was pumping 15 to 20,000 gallons of water an hour, every hour of the day. The water was banked in a reservoir that could hold 200,000 gallons. Soon, the park had a surplus. So much so, it began to sell it and allow the developing neighborhoods around the park to use the water for fire hydrants. Inspired by the Dutch windmill's success, the president of the First National Bank, S.G. Murphy, donated $20,000 to have another one constructed. The San Francisco Examiner wrote about his donation in May 1905. Mr. Murphy has been a great lover of the park. Almost every day for years, he has either driven or walked over its roads. That sizable check got him a namesake. This second windmill was a bigger version of the Dutch windmill, sporting the same rotating cap. Here's historian Christopher Pollock again. It's 97 feet high, and so it had the largest wingspan outside of Holland in order to to really get more water out of the ground is what it all comes down to. The Murphy could pump almost four times more water out of the ground than the first windmill when it was completed in 1908. By then, the windmills had become landmarks, even appearing in a Charlie Chaplin film. It seemed like the heyday of the windmills was just beginning. But just five years after the Murphy was built, both of the windmills would stop. Electric pumps were put into operation because it was a more efficient way of actually getting the water out of the ground. So after electric pumps were installed, the windmills became obsolete. And left to the harsh elements of sand, winds, and salt coming off the Pacific Ocean, they fell into disrepair. They sat for decades, 
1958, a headline in the San Francisco Examiner declared park windmills to be scrapped. The shabby wreck of North Dutch Windmill is scheduled for the scrap heap. The Murphy Windmill on the south side of the park will share the same fate unless the city finds $30,000 to repair it. Park officials asked the city repeatedly for funds to help restore or even tear down the Dutch windmill, but were denied. It seemed the windmills would slowly rot into the ground on which they were built. It took decades, but preservation groups raised money to restore each of the windmills. The Dutch was cosmetically restored in 1981. The Murphy had a more extensive renovation, which was completed in 2011. Today, they're back to being picturesque monuments. If you're lucky, you might see them on a day they're turning. Today happens to be my lucky day. As I approach the Murphy, it's spinning. And up on the wraparound deck, a couple stories up, is Neil Hemming. And he's going to give us a tour. I've been uh, maintaining and taking care of the windmill uh, since we dedicated it in about 2012. Hemming would love to see it open to the public as a living museum of sorts. But the only folks that are meant to be inside are the ones keeping the Murphy running. With no safeguards to keep people from the heavy machinery, it's a total liability to let people in. Everybody wants to see it spin. And uh, and when it is spinning and I'm looking over the deck or downstairs, uh, everybody's really happy to see it going. The Murphy is tall, 97 feet high. So one of the first things you see inside are stairs. Lots and lots of narrow stairs. It's a serious workout, climbing between its six floors. I'll let you go first, take your time. All righty. It's spare but beautiful inside, with natural pine flooring and cross beams overhead. Hemming and his crew have a small break area on the third floor. It's pretty homey. There's a throw rug, a comfy chair, a table, and a place to make coffee. All the artwork here just got, you know, it's just got little Dutch shoes there, and the Dutch painting I found in the dumpster, and furniture left on the side of the road. <laughs> I also notice a very large rope hanging from the ceiling. It's an emergency brake. Hemming says it goes all the way to the top floors, where the windmill's gears are. Pull it, and the blades slow or stop. Hit the brake. Want to stop it? Sure. <laughs> okay. So you have a long ways to pull before you'll start feeling resistance. So go ahead and start pulling. Keep pulling. Eventually, the blades stop. And you've just stopped it. But after I release the tension, it doesn't take long for the wind to get them moving again. We step out on the mezzanine to see the blades swoop by. We can walk around. Just stay close to the building. It'll be fine. So here we are, rotating, probably three to four RPMs. The blades are big, and yeah, you better watch out or you could get clipped. Soon we're heading up to the top floors, the center of the windmill spinning blades. Hemming wants to show me the rotating cap. We climb through a trap door. So now, here at the very top. Wow. Machinery is taking up almost That's all the of this top floor. To you. That's the main head bearing up there. It's the obvious that Hemming loves his out. job, so and he blades, knows every inch of this windmill. The clunking you hear is the, uh, is the uh, structure flexing. So right now the fantail's spinning, so we have a big gear on both sides. 
and uh, uh, it's in the process of moving the whole top cap right now. I admit, I am not the best with heights, so I was a little nervous when Hemming offered a final stop on our tour. Uh, if you want to go out there, you can. It's up to you. It's, it's, safe, it's safe, but it's high. Yeah. What do you think? I don't know. Let's see. But I just can't pass up the opportunity to climb out onto the fantail. We amble through a small window, and it's only then that I realize how high 90-plus feet is. Wow. This is amazing. You know, when you see it from the ground, it doesn't look so big. I think really, when you see it up here, the height and the massiveness of this uh, fantail and the blades, it's just, uh, it's, it's amazing. I can see why you like coming to work. This is great. As long as I can, I'll be here. <laughs> Hemming says even though the Dutch and Murphy windmills are decorative now, they do spin for special events, like beta breakers or outside lands, or on days when they're doing maintenance. They don't pump water anymore, but they could if that was ever needed. When they are spinning, there's often a crowd. Even a hundred years after they were built, the Dutch and Murphy windmills are still objects of beauty. That was KQED's Susie Racho. This story is part of a six-part series that will ultimately be part of our very curious Golden Gate Park walking tour. Find a map and other related podcast episodes at baycurious.org slash goldengatepark. Our show is made by Katrina Schwartz, Brendan Willard, Sebastian Minu-Bicelli, and me, Olivia Allen-Price. Special thanks also to Amanda Font, Carly Severn, and Jessica Plotchek for their help with this story. Bay Curious is a production of member-supported KQED in San Francisco. Have a good one. Hi, Bay Curious listeners. Are you ready to play May's trivia game? Every month, we read a question here at the end of our episode. You can give us your answers over at our website, kqed.org slash baycurious, or just click the link in the episode description. Out of the correct answers, we'll randomly choose one lucky winner to receive a cool prize package with Bay Curious swag and Sierra Nevada goodies. Okay, our question for the month is, the world's longest-running pillow-fighting contest was held from 1966 to 2006 in what Bay Area town? Our trivia quiz is made possible by Sierra Nevada Brewing Company. Good luck! Hi there, I'm Randa Fattah from ThruLine. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast.